0: you can see from the title, what we'd like to talk to you about is the role of schooling in the integration and settlement uh, process of new Polish migrants in the UK. New meaning those who arrived uh, in the post-accession uh, period after Poland joined the EU. And I shall just briefly give you some uh, background to, to our project and, and um, Polish migration to the UK, and then I'll discuss... Um, how schooling impacts on the integration of uh, Polish children, and then I shall also move to um, their parents, and how schooling impacts on their integration and their uh, settlement uh, decisions, and we'll finish with some conclusions and uh, recommendations. So, first of all, uh, what we're talking about today is based on a three-year ESRC project that we conducted at the University of Southampton at the Centre for Population Change. The project uh, is entitled International Labour Mobility and Its Impact on Family and Household Formation Among Polish Migrants Living in England and Scotland. As you can see there's nothing about education in the title of the project and this was not actually the focus of the project, however it was um, an issue that was of interest of us and we thought would be important so we included a whole um, list of questions on education in our interview script and that's why I can talk about it uh, fairly confidently today. Now, why Polish migrants? I'm sure we all know that um, there's been a huge influx, let's say, of Polish migrants to the UK in the post-accession period, (coughs) as you can see from the following uh, graph. At the moment, there are over 500,000 Polish migrants uh, in the UK. And what is characteristic for this particular migrant group is that the majority of those who uh, who arrived were young. And in the beginning, this was seen as a very transient migration wave. It was expected that Poles would come, earn some money, and go back because this is a largely economic migration. However, after a few years, it's become evident that um, many Poles are here to stay. And that we are now observing uh, processes, or have been observing for a few good years, um, processes of uh, family uh, formation. So at first people would bring their children from Poland. Now we can see that there's a bit of a baby boom um, um, in the UK, a Polish baby boom in the UK at the moment. Just in England and Wales in 2010, there were nearly 20,000 Polish uh, children born. And there was a lot of media hype in the Polish press in the Polish media about more children, the the fertility rate of Polish women in the UK being higher than that in Poland. Now, this is perhaps not exactly true. (laughs) I mean, um, I've heard a lot about um, some um, difficulties with the methodology. However, it is true that there is uh, a lot... uh, The Polish uh, community is the fastest growing community in the UK at the moment. And this is why we decided to focus uh, specifically on uh, Poles. And of course the fact that there have been so many Polish children coming over from Poland and so many Polish children born in the UK has had quite a big impact on the uh, British uh, education system. Um, But I'll discuss that um, (laughs) later on. And um, also what is very characteristic for this particular national group is, it's, is that it's a highly dispersed community. So you have polls registered in every single uh, local authority across the UK. They live in some very, very remote uh, areas. We decided to move out of the uh, biggest agglomerations, the biggest cities, and do our research um, in southern England and uh, in Scotland, also to have uh, some comparisons because there's a different uh, social policy in um, Scotland different in England so we wanted to have that comparison as well and we conducted um, in-depth interviews into urban locations to rural locations the urban locations were Southampton and Glasgow and the rural Dorset and uh, Perthshire and Angus in Scotland so altogether we conducted 83 in-depth interviews with adult polls so what we know about the children and their schooling is all based on what their parents have told us And uh, we interviewed 55 uh, parents, and uh, in this number, 24 had children either in primary or secondary schools um, in the UK. So the others had younger children, or some of them had children who were still uh, living in uh, Poland. Okay, so that that would be the background. Now to move on to um, the main issue, the main focus, integration. First of all, just some general remarks that... um, in general how successful, how easily or how quickly the child integrates with the school community and with the wider community of course depends, uh, the crucial factor is the knowledge of English and I must underline that the majority of Polish pe- of Polish children who are newcomers who come from Poland speak very very poor English or no, no English at all. Then age and previous school experience, I'll, I'll explain that uh, a little bit in a moment. Then, of course, individual characteristics, because it's much easier for a child who's outgoing to mix with other children and to find their feet than for a child who is uh, shy. Um, Also, finding friends is of crucial importance. Some children are very isolated in the beginning, and this is very detrimental to their general well-being and and, uh, sort of integrating with the community, of course. Um, also, uh, school re- how they are received by other pupils, by teachers, um, is very important, of course. And then the school composition. By school composition, I mean... Um, a school or class composition. I mean... Uh, where the other pupils in the class or in the school are from. So whether it's uh, a school where the child is the only uh, Polish child, I've come across such children, or or whether there's um, or in Southampton we have quite a large Polish community. So in some uh, schools, almost fifty percent of um, of the children in, in certain classes are Polish, which is also a bit um, a very particular mixture because you have almost half of the class Polish children and half of the class um, English children. Um, and some schools are of course very multicultural, however in, in, in those areas where we've been conducting research, those are areas outside London and I haven't come across such a multicultural story as, as uh, often is the case um, in London. Now, um, schools are said to be natural sites of uh, socialisation simply because they're often, for many Polish uh, Polish children, it's the first place where they actually come into contact with the local culture or even with English uh, children. So, on the one hand, this is, of course, the the sort of natural place where the child would encounter the um, British culture and uh, other English or or British uh, children. However, There are a lot of misconceptions about um, the easiness of adjusting uh, to school and what I wanted to show through these two quotes is that um it's not usually it's not easy and sometimes it's even traumatic and the first quote comes from uh, Dorota, whose son arrived when he was uh, aged five and he had absolutely no previous schooling experience he hadn't been to preschool in Poland and what is very uh, important here is also the fact that in Poland uh, children begin school later than in England two years later or now there's a, a educational reform going on so now it's one year later one or two it depends um and um, and this particular child had no experience of being in a school environment at all, and no knowledge of english at all and um and he got um he was so nervous of going uh, to school and he, he was so devastated by the situation of being in this foreign environment where he didn't understand anything and he didn't even understand what he's supposed to do that um, he developed these nervous symptoms where he would vomit every single day in the morning. And, um, and this went on for almost a year and of course it was a very traumatic experience for both the, the, the child and the mother. And, um, and there's a lot of, um, many Polish parents have said to me that, oh, you know, young po- young children, oh, they adapt easily, it's not a problem, they pick up the language quickly and so on. However, I have heard quite a few stories which show that this is not entirely uh, true. And why did I mention age earlier on? Um, in general, however, it is true that young children adapt easily than older children. Um, and I think teenagers are in a particular, uh, particularly different, uh, uh, sorry, difficult uh, situation because they enter a certain group, and it's often a group where friendships have already been established, and the group is not exactly welcoming to a newcomer. And um, Christina, who has uh, five children, three school-age children could see that on the example of her daughters. Her two younger daughters adapted to school fairly quickly, picked up the language fairly quickly. It wasn't a very traumatic experience for them, but for her daughter who arrived uh, when she was 14, it was a very, very difficult experience. With She was very strongly rejected by the group, and of course she didn't want to stay in England, and there were a lot of problems uh, around that, but she had to, so <laughs> she accepted the situation in the end, and, and then changed schools, and things got better, but... Um, but I just want to show that, yes, on the one hand schools are sites of socialization, but on the other hand the socialization isn't um, isn't always such a positive uh, thing um, now earlier, I mentioned uh, knowledge of English as an absolutely crucial factor it's obviously an absolutely crucial factor in uh, in integration and school adaptation and um, and in this context um, We can see um, how policy impacts on how the children adjust to school. There are huge differences between Scotland and England and um, in Scotland the overall policy is if a a newcomer child arrives and if the child is young they are uh, placed usually one year back so that the child has more time to um, work towards, I don't know, to to acquire English and and to (laughs) simply manage with the school work. If the teachers see that the child oh and of course the child gets language support at the school now if the if the teachers notice that this is not enough, then the child is sent to an international school uh, they call it an international school it 's a school of language, so basically they 're sent on a very intensive English language course, and once they acquire enough skill, sort of language knowledge they 're sent back to the usual let 's say usual school. And uh, and this happens by default, let's say, with teenagers. Every teenager who arrives without uh, sufficient language skills is immediately sent to this um, uh, intensive language course. Once uh, the teachers decide they have enough knowledge of English to manage with their schoolwork, they're sent back to their um, normal school. However, in England, this doesn't happen and the language provision is um, There's much less language provision, let's put it this way. And uh, the standard uh, policy is that there are these uh, EMAS services who who have uh, bilingual teaching uh, assistants. And the teaching assistant is usually... um, A child who arrives usually gets one to three hours of language support in a week, depending on how many children in the same school need support and, and how much support is available at the moment. And this does not depend on the age of the child. So whether the child is 6 or 15, they still get this one to three hours. Now this of course has, um, is particularly uh, important for the education of children who arrive uh, as teenagers because they're often thrown into an environment where the other pupils are already preparing for GCSE exams and they don't understand. They don't un- even have enough English to understand instructions and so on, let alone take exams. So with this very mm, little sort of language uh, provision, that they, they find it particularly difficult to manage. And, and this is exacerbated further in, um, in the urban and rural areas. Because um, in rural areas, uh, again if you compare Scotland and England, uh, in Scotland the child still get a lot of language support. They have a teacher allocated to them who teaches them one-to-one for as long as the child needs it. Um, In England, um, I think the services struggle a little bit. Um, I've come across a lot of stories in, in rural Dorset where the child would be the first foreign child in the school ever. So it was a bit of a novelty to the school, and the school, um, generally the schools were very, very welcoming. The teachers were trying really, really hard to support the child, but at the same time, they didn't really have the skills, because they'd never come across a foreign child, so they they didn't really know how to teach English as a foreign language. And in these remote rural areas, bilingual teaching assistants are usually just not available. So the teachers get some support from uh, from the services, meaning that um, once, I don't know, once a month, for example, an inspector will... I'm not sure if "inspectors" the word. Well, somebody would come to to instruct them to tell them how to teach the child and so on to try to help them, but but it's not this. Um, but the children, the children and the schools are largely left uh, to their own devices. You can say on on a sort of everyday uh, basis. So again, there's there's this huge difference between the support, language support that that children get in England and um, and in Scotland. Um, and I earlier manch- mentioned the importance of uh, school or class uh, composition. Now, I also earlier mentioned this Yash, uh, who was also the only Polish child uh, in the class, and for him it was a very, very traumatic uh, experience however um, i 've heard from many uh, parents whose uh, child was the only foreign pupil in the class or in the school that this was actually very beneficial for the child it's you know in the beginning, the child would be quite distressed, there would be some problems around communication and so on, but because this was the only child, they had no other way to go than to integrate with her, with, the <laughs> with the other pupils. And um, and I've heard some uh, stories of other pupils feeling very, very sorry for the child, so they would bring, there was this bo- boy somewhere in rural uh, Dorset who, who also had no schooling experience, and he arrived without knowing any English, and he was very traumatised, and he was crying every single day, and the children felt so sorry for him that they would bring him presents all the time so he was very welcomed by the others and um, and in the end he integrated very very quickly because the children were very positive uh, towards him and and uh, they were doing a lot to make him feel uh, welcome Um, so so on the one hand being the only foreign child or the only foreign uh, in the class or the school is uh, is a bit of a challenge but on the other hand um, it appears very beneficial in in the long uh, run and, uh, for example, the quote from Czesław uh, here, Czesław has five children, and he has um, one young son and then a few older sons. And he could see that on the example of his children, that the youngest son, who was, I think, six when he arrived, integrated very quickly, picked up the language very quickly, but he was the only Polish child in the class. While with the older uh, sons, there happened to be quite a few Polish children, and they were just, uh, and they arrived as teenagers, and they were just sort of cluster together and not mix with the other children uh, too much. And, and they were still in this situation, you know, a few years later they were still in this situation where the majority of the people they would associate with or the friends would be Polish and they would stay in this Polish uh, bubble, which is a bit detrimental to their um, language acquisition and, and learning in general. And uh, I've, I've mentioned how important uh, reception is um, by other pupils and by the school in, in general, and um, and what I found interesting here is that um, I've seen a whole book on uh, rural racism. <laughs> However, what I what, what I saw what I heard from the interviews is actually that in rural areas the children are often more welcome than in the urban areas where there's a bigger mixture of uh, different nationalities. And um, and um, I mean instances of hostility were reported in both urban and rural areas. However, with the rural areas. Uh, these were really instances. It was like one child would come and say, oh, Polish people are stupid, and then, <laughs> I don't know, the teacher or the, or the uh, um, head of school would interfere, and uh, or the parents would interfere, and the Polish children would never again hear anything like that. However, in the urban areas, uh, it often appeared that um, there's more, the discrimination is a bit stronger. And, um, for example, Urszula um, had this uh, situation with her teenage uh, daughter, where the daughter was uh, was almost blackmailed and threatened by, by a certain Scottish girl, and this was just one Scottish girl, but, um, but she was quite a bully, and she had beaten up a few other uh, Polish girls, and it came to that that uh, this girl was afraid to go to school and just started playing truant without telling her uh, parents anything. Um, they found out uh, in the end when she just broke into tears at, at home one day, and what I found interesting there was that the school had actually... Um, asked the parents to sort out the situation with among themselves, so the parents of the Polish girl with the parents of the Scottish girl, and the parents of the Polish girl hardly spoke any English, so so they said, you know, we, we're not really in a position and, and we don't really want our daughter to get involved in this, and they just moved her to another school. Um, so, um, so, so, of course, you know, how you are received is very, very important, and whether you establish contacts with, with other children or other pupils in the community. Um, okay, now moving away from the children, what well, I'd like to move to are um, the parents. And it's interesting that schools are sites of socialization for the children, but not so for the parents. Uh, unfortunately, the majority of the Polish parents uh, I've uh, talked to have very poor language skills. They speak hardly any English, so they can't really interact with other parents uh, out, you know, in the playground when they're waiting for the children. And another thing is also a cultural barrier. I've, I remember this one lady telling me that... Um, The school, the playground is dominated by English mummies and she doesn't feel comfortable there, so she doesn't speak, she doesn't get involved. And because of this language barrier, Polish people often just don't get involved in the the school life at all, but also because of the lack of knowledge uh, or understanding of uh, the system. They often don't see it as important to take part in the life of the school. They're not even aware of the fact that there is this sort of culture in, in uh, Britain of, of uh, building a community around, uh, around the school. Um, as Richard uh, says, school here don't need support from parents. They organise everything themselves, uh, they have enough staff, they don't need parents' help. And um, and there are a lot of misconceptions also around learning and what children do at schools. Now, what is very, very important, I think, is that um, the Polish and and British educational systems are very, very different. With the Polish system being much stricter, the requirements as to um, what the children are to achieve um, being much uh, stricter (coughs) as well. In Poland, basically, every single child uh, is expected to reach a, a certain minimal Uh, level in every single subject. If they don't, if they fail, then they are sort of put backwards one year, which does not happen in in Britain at all, with all children just getting promoted to the next uh, grade. And um, and this actually... um, (coughs) uh, Polish parents only realise this after a few years, that there are these huge differences between the systems. And they (coughs) think that... um, But it's just not uh, possible for the children uh, to go back to Poland and reintegrate with the Polish system because they're afraid that the children won't manage. This is something that I've heard from everybody, from parents, from non-parents. It's a very, very strong perception that um, it's impossible to go back to the Polish system after a few years because if we're talking about six-year-olds or seven-year-olds, it's not such a big deal. But from the age of nine, more or less it becomes much and much harder to reintegrate, to to get back to the Polish system. And this is not only because of the differences in requirements, but also the differences in the overall philosophy of teaching. As I say, the Polish uh, system is much harsher, much more strict. There's much more emphasis on um, discipline, much more traditional methods. It's not as child-friendly as the British system. And this also... um, impacts quite uh, strongly on what the parents uh, think about the systems. And because of this uh, common perception that you can't, you know, your your child will not manage at school, this fact has a big impact on the um, migration decisions and settlement decisions of parents. Um, Many parents come to the conclusion, even if they were thinking of going back to Poland after a few years, now they're saying, oh, we can't because of, I don't know, Krzysztof's education. So we'll wait until he finishes his education, then we'll go back. And I just want to read this quote from Andre because I think it's very telling um, to show you to what extent this can change plans. He says, I also miss Poland sometimes. I'd like to go back. But we'll see how it goes. For the time being, we want to let the girls finish school and then we'll see. And he has two teenage girls and one three-year-old. And I ask him, OK, and how many years of school do they have left? And he says, oh, no. They want to study here, so I'll be a grandfather by the time. (laughs) And interestingly, Andre is a guy who's just come over for a year. And this is a story I've heard a lot of times. People come for a year, for three years, for five years, and then realize at some point, if they have children, if the children are in school, they realize that they're stuck. And I am not saying that this is the main barrier or the only barrier. Of course, the economic barrier, you know, finding work in Poland, um, finding a flat and so on, it's all very important. But this is actually quite a serious barrier to return as well. And as far as Polish people are quite mobile when they uh, arrive in England, and basically they go where the work is, after they have a child uh, who's been in school, who's settled in, who's happy there, they don't want to move. So even if they're, st- if they're stuck in the most terrible neighbourhoods, for example in Scotland, in Govan, which is an absolutely shocking neighbourhood, no offence, <laughs> they don't want to move because they have the child in school and, and the child feels happy. Um, so, so schooling has quite a big impact on the migration uh, decisions of Polish parents. OK, now to conclude. As i said earlier, schools act as these natural sites of socialisation for the children, but not for the parents. Uh, However, how well the child integrates depends on the language provision, on how how they are received, and on the class and school composition to a large degree. And talking about this uh, language support, I think the differences in language support between Scotland and England may have quite a big impact on the child's overall achievement. This relates especially to those children who arrive uh, at the uh, stage of uh, secondary um, education and um, and also the fact that Polish parents don't speak the language, don't have the knowledge about the system, they just don't understand some basic things about the educational system in, in Britain um, They often, education is often very very important to them and they really want to support the children but they can't, they just don't have the tools to do it because they don't really understand how to steer the child or what the opportunities are out there and, um, and I think this may have quite big uh, impact on the educational opportunities of, of children in general. And lastly, for Polish uh, families, this education is a bit of a double-edged sword. On the, on the one hand, uh, education in England is more child-friendly, it's easier, it's not as stressful as in Poland, so a lot of parents come to appreciate it after some time. But at the same time, it does it is a serious barrier to return for those who are actually thinking of, of going back after a few years. And uh, as for some recommendations, well, first of all, we, we think it would be beneficial for children in England to receive more language support in those first stages uh, when they start school or when they arrive from um, abroad. And something that I didn't have time to mention in the um, presentation, but which is also very important, I think, is the fact that um, I, would, I would say that there should be more language provision in preschools because I have come across parents whose children... Uh, have spent a year or two years in an English uh, preschool and, and and they don't know English. They know about ten words or, or I don't know, they can count to ten and they know colours. So that was a bit shocking for me because I was thinking that... Um, uh, that preschools should uh, alleviate these differences between different nationalities or speakers of different uh, languages. And here a lot is context-specific. If the child, for example, is the first foreign child in a preschool and one teacher thinks that it's really important to teach them English, it happens. But if there's not such a person, it often just doesn't happen, which is a bit surprising to me. Um, Also, I think that because of the differences in how school composition Impacts on on uh, the integration of children. We think it would be good to actively encourage, like by, by policy measures, perhaps the mixing of uh, foreign children with with British uh, peers. In some schools, there are these budding practices where a new child is um, appointed a buddy with similar interests, and they're the um, sort of um, guide around the school, and and um, and they work on getting the child integrated. and um, and we think this could be especially beneficial in schools where, there is, um, where the, the mixture of the pupils is polarized or is very mixed. I, I mean, for example, the schools that I've mentioned where you have almost half of the pupils are Polish, the other half are English, and they just don't mix. So, um, so maybe that would be a, a thing to consider. Um, And also I've I've mentioned a few times how little the Polish parents are aware of what is happening in the school in England and how little they know about the system. So we think it would be very beneficial for them to have detailed information (coughs) and for information packs to be actually widely distributed um, in the native language so that parents would have um, access to them straight away. And it would be also useful if this information packs would, would uh, in- include some information on the differences between the systems and uh, what the ch- what the parents can do if they do if they are considering uh, going back. Um, and we also last we also think that involving migrant parents more in the school community and perhaps trying to um, encourage them to learn language within that community or with the support of the school would also be very, very beneficial for the overall um, integration not only of the children but also of the uh, adults.